This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today we're talking about ticks. Everybody's uh, favorite insect to hate, I guess as well as other biting insects, but but primarily ticks. So if you've listened to uh, some of the episodes in the past, you know that I like to get into the weeds and, and do research on things. And so I did just that on how to prevent ticks, keep ticks off of you, um, as well as like, the potential side effects of the chemicals you'll be using to do that. So, right, you've heard us talk. We have families. We have young kids. Are these things safe to be spraying on your kids, on your skin, just on your clothes, breathing them in, that sort of thing? So, Jeff and I sit down and and talk through uh, what I was able to find in in my research on tick prevention. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. So Mastin's has everything you need from a, a scent standpoint for deer hunting and also predator hunting. So they've got your traditional liquid scents. That's great. Their, their, their scents are really pure. They actually collect their scent on stainless steel. A lot of other companies collect on concrete, and you know, concrete can—it's it, porous, right? So it, it can absorb other um, off scents, off flavors, <laughs> if you will. So Mastin's collects on stainless steel, keeps the scent pure. It's a high-quality liquid scent. They've also got their scented candles that you can use in their double scent stacker. They've got scented gel crystals. They've got scent drippers, so anything you need, check them out. Go to MastinsDeerSense.com, see what they have to offer, and uh, you can order right on their site, and they'll ship it right to your house. Now let's get into our conversation on ticks. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so today on the show we're going to talk about tick prevention. I guess I guess also other biting insects like mosquitoes, but you know, kind of the main topic is ticks. That seems to be coming more and more prevalent. Um, my father-in-law actually works for the, uh, the county road crew, and he he talks a lot about how 
you know, as, as the years go by, he comes home with more and more ticks. Never, you know, he's worked there for a lot of years, <clears throat> never used to have ticks. Now, you know, the, just the other day I was over there, uh, picking Ella up and he said he had three ticks on him that in just in that one day. And they're, I mean, they're on the roads, right? So it's not like they're doing a ton of, I mean, they got the ditches and stuff, right? But it's not like he's stomping through the backwoods, you know, the back country or, or something like that, you know? So <clears throat> he's picking them up on, on roadsides and, and road ditches pretty, pretty frequently. Like I said, never, never used to have that. I don't know, Jeff, do you, do you ever remember as kids worrying about ticks around here? No, I don't think I ever had a tick on me um, until I was an adult. You know, I was yeah probably the first 20 years of my life. I don't think I ever got a tick. Right. Um, yeah, same and, here. I mean, even now, I think we treated the the dog, but I don't remember the dog getting that many ticks. You know, maybe, you know one or two maybe throughout my childhood right you know and the cat you know we had an outside garage cat and we didn't treat that thing with anything and it no it never got ticks yeah and the dog i think i mean i don't remember specifically but i i wouldn't surprise me if the reason we treated the dog for ticks is because it was in the flea medication you know flea and tick medication you know it was more like right we wanted to keep the fleas out of the house or you know that kind of thing versus keep ticks off the dog right but so as the, you know as this uh becomes more and more of a thing it's certainly something to be concerned about with you know lyme disease and some of the other tick-borne illnesses that i mean they can have lifelong lasting impacts if you you know, get bit by the wrong tick, I guess. <clears throat> and the other thing to, you know, that I'm taking into consideration now is, is kids and keeping ticks off kids. You know, me, it's like, I don't, you know, whatever I'll spray, whatever, you know, is I'm, I'm less concerned about it. Kids are, are smaller. They're, you know, potentially more susceptible to, the chemicals and things. And so <clears throat> there's some concern from my standpoint on, on that type of thing. So what should I be using on me? What is, you know, safe to use on kids at what levels, all of that. So I went down the ra the rabbit hole, if you will, and, uh, started doing some homework. And I guess, you know, the plan is to kind of share what I found, what I've dug up. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to include where I found the information, um, you know, as we go. And my, you know, my goal isn't to give a recommendation on here's what you should do, but just sort of present the information and let, you know, you all, Jeff, Jake, listeners make a decision, you know, what you think is best for you and your situation, <clears throat> because I don't think there is a one size fits all answer to this. It depends on lots of factors. So, okay. So basically you got 
two different categories. You've got insecticides and you've got repellents. The most common tick insecticide that I'm aware of is permethrin. I think a lot of people know permethrin at this point. <clears throat> They're, you know, you got name brand products by by Sawyer. You know, you'll see the the yellow bottles. That's permethrin, and it's an insecticide. Works great for keeping ticks off. There does seem to be some some health concerns with it, and maybe not so much. I don't know if keeping ticks off is the correct word, but I mean, it's it's an insecticide. It kills ticks. So this is, uh, I guess, the concentration that you use it in for human use because you can use it on livestock and, and other things. It can be used for other applications. But for using on, you know, people um, is a 0.5% concentration. And I guess I'll start by saying you use permethrin to treat your clothing and your equipment. You do not spray it on your your skin <clears throat> like a you know like a repellent you would. And that's right. that was gonna be my question. Yeah, you treat can your you, clothes. Can you also use permethrin to like treat an area? Like you know, could you treat your yard with it? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think you can use it. Probably in higher concentrations, but I do think you can you can treat your your yard. Um, <clears throat> oh well, yes. My, some of the information I was just looking at some of the information I got. This is from the National Pesticide Information Center. It says permethrin is an insecticide in the pyrethroid family. Pyrethroids are synthetic chemicals that act like natural extra extracts from the chrysanthemum flower. Permethrin is used in a number of ways to control insects. Products containing permethrin may be used in public health mosquito control programs. They may be used on food and feed crops, on ornamental lawns, on livestock and pets, in structures and buildings, and on clothing. It may also be used in places where food is handled, such as restaurants. Uh, it was first registered with the US EPA in 1979 and was re-registered in 2006. So there's a handful of ways that permethrin is used typically outdoors people are using it on their clothes so tick gets on you it gets a it gets a dose of the permethrin and kills the tick so <clears throat> basically uh works good but the downfall is you can't put it or you shouldn't put it on your skin. I mean, the bottle talks about when you buy this stuff, <clears throat> talks about wearing gloves when you apply it. Um, again, some more information from this pesticide information center. Um, when people get permethrin on their skin, they may have irritation or tingling, burning and itching at the spot. If permethrin gets in the eyes, it can cause redness, pain or burning. If people eat permethrin, it could cause sore throat, abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. People that have breathed in permethrin have had irritation in the nose and lungs, difficulty breathing, headaches, dizziness, nausea, and vomiting. It doesn't say in what amounts. <clears throat> Just those are some of the potential side effects. Um, 
they go on to say that permethrin was classified by the International Agency for Research on Cancer, or IARC, I guess it would be would be the uh, the acronym for that. It was classified by them as quote not classifiable as to its carcinogenicity in humans in 1991. This means that the IARC could not decide whether or not permethrin can cause cancer, but the US EPA decided that permethrin was likely to be a carcinogenic carcinogenic to humans if it was eaten. This decision was based on the structure of permethrin, what happens to it in the body, laboratory tests that cause tumors in mice and evidence of tumors in rats. So take that for what it's worth. I guess what I take from that is it's it's not harmless. Right? There's some there's some precautions that you need to take when using it. If used appropriately and and in the right concentrations i think it's relatively safe but you know you read some of that and you're like man do i really want to be spraying that on my kids clothes right right the other thing is like for me you know or or i guess an outdoorsman you've got like your kit your gear right your turkey hunting vest and jacket and pants, right? So, you know, I can treat a handful of things and be relatively protected when I go in the woods. Kids, you know, they're going to go out in the yard, go out back, whatever, you know, like, at least in my situation, you know, it's not like Ella has a, okay, these are your outside pants. And, the you know, it's like she just goes and plays, right? We go to the, we take her to the cabin. She, you know, we have play clothes, but she's got a lot of play clothes. So what am I going to treat every piece of clothing she has? You know, it starts, it's not practical, I guess, for that application, aside from the potential health risks. Mm-hmm. Other things to point out with permethrin is it's not a one and done. So a single application of permethrin lasts six weeks or six washings. That's from the Sawyer website. They they sell um, permethrin-based tick products, tick prevention products. Um, It's applied, I already mentioned this, it's applied to clothing and gear as opposed to applying to the skin like most bug repellents. And I thought this was interesting, again, just as another point to potential uh, health implications. The CDC recommends washing permethrin-treated clothing separately from other clothing. They don't say why. That was in a, a short little video that they had done on you know, safe use of, of permethrin to prevent ticks, but just another sort of data point on, you know, if it was perfectly harmless, why would it matter? Right. 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 Doesn't sound like it's something that you really want long-term exposure to even on your clothes. Yeah. So they, you know, if you're someone who's working in the field, you know, all day, every day. So they, uh, this this insecticide uh, or pesticide information center, the National Pesticide Information Center, they have like a it's actually kind of helpful. It's like a fact sheet on all the different in, in pesticides and things like that. But for permethrin, there's a question on here. Has anyone studied non-cancer effects for long term exposure to permethrin? Um, <clears throat> so. Again, you know. 
what does this all mean? Hard to say, but it says researchers fed dog and mice permethrin for up to two years and found that their livers increased in weight. The dogs fed with permethrin had more tremors than dogs that did not eat it. Rabbits that had permethrin on their skin for 21 days had skin irritation, but no other signs of toxicity. Researchers are not sure whether long-term exposure to permethrin can affect the body's hormone system. I thought this was interesting. A group of women used a product containing 4% permethrin over their entire bodies to treat a scabies problem during pregnancy. So 4% is higher than the 0.5% that like the Sawyer products or I think most any of the commercially available, you know, tick prevention products are. So 4% to treat scabies. During pregnancy, another group of pregnant women used a product containing 1% permethrin to treat head lice. Exposure, exposure to permethrin did not affect the pregnancies of any of the women in either group. They don't say how many, you know, how many women were involved in that. There's no, you know, additional data, but just another data point, I guess. Rats right. that were fed permethrin. And, well, go ahead. Yeah, and it just kind of shows that, you know, uh, it's relatively safe for pregnant women, you know, to, to use on their clothing, if you yeah. will. I mean, basically pregnant women have used it for, you know, in much higher dosage and actually applying it to their body. Right. So there's not, there's not much risk there, you know, added risk. Yeah. And so they go on to talk about, rabbit studies that were fed from, you know, I mean, they're feeding permethrin to, to, or I said rabbits, I meant rats, rat studies, uh, offspring weighed less. Some of their offspring developed extra ribs more often than control rats. Um, you know, so who knows, but I guess just more data that use it with care, weigh the, the, pros and cons of, you know, if you're in a heavy tick area, that's why I said at the beginning, like there's, it, there's no one size fits all answer to this, right? There's, there's pros and cons to each. You got different tick infestation levels in your areas and you know, what are your likelihood of being exposed to ticks? What's your likelihood of being exposed to ticks that are likely to carry Lyme, Lyme disease? You know, it's, a, it's, uh, it's it's a spectrum. Any questions on permethrin, Jeff, before we move on to the like the repellent type products? I don't I don't think so. No. I mean, I think you did a pretty good job at explaining permethrin. Is there other insecticides that are used or is permethrin basically it? Um I think for I think for people applications, permethrin's kind of the one. I do think there are other um, uh, there are other. See, and I don't know what this stuff is. When we, because when we first moved into into our new house, I, I think it was the first summer. We had ticks <clears throat> pretty bad in the you know in the back overgrown area and stuff. Ella would come in with ticks on her pretty frequently. And so we, we called a service and they came out and sprayed and on the invoice, they used a, a product called demand CS. 
and okay. and treated the yard with that stuff. Whether that's a permethrin-based product, I, I don't know. Um, but I'm not aware, I guess I'm not aware of any other commonly available insecticide-type products other than permethrin. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So if we move into the repellent category, <clears throat> basically what I found, I'm going to kind of limit it to, well, not kind of, I am going to limit it to picaridin, DEET, and IR3535. <clears throat> There's, I think, one other one that that maybe shows some potential, but... I don't know. I, I couldn't find as much information on that, and so I chose to skip it. But I guess let's start with DEET, because everybody's familiar with DEET. So DEET, right. I guess... Yeah, uh, DEET's like the the known mosquito repellent, bug repellent, you know. Right. Everybody, yeah. I, you know, that's basically the the repellent, you know. Right. When you yeah. go to the store and buy bug repellent, it's how much DEET does it have in it. Right. Yeah. And there's also this, like, you know, you hear this just sort of grumblings or, or you know, like, should you be using DEET? Is it safe? Should you be spraying it on your kids? You know, like, is DEET safe? So I, I dug into that. Um, a lot of this information here is coming from the environmental working group, which they are pretty strict when it comes to like products that you're putting on yourself as far as, you know, what's safe, what's not <clears throat> like, uh-huh. I could almost guarantee if you go on, because they've got a, um, I think they call it their skin deep database where they've got like, they give products a score based on the chemicals used in them. So they've got like all kinds of skincare, hair care, skin care, you know, shampoos, conditioners, lotions, uh, sunscreens, all that stuff. Like, unless you are intentionally buying something special <laughs> this place you know th i think they rank things on a scale of like uh one to ten one being uh -huh. safe ten being not uh, less safe <laughs> um and i i would i'd be willing to bet that you know if you're just if you just go to walmart whatever and buy shampoo or sunscreen like they're ranking that at a I'd say probably a five or higher as far as like they're concerned about it. Basically anything that's got like, um, uh, a fragrance in it, like they <laughs> fragrances, they're this is real. Out of 10? Yes. Okay. So anything that's got a fra like, and so the way, it, the way their skincare, I guess, thing works is they look at all the ingredients they give each ingredient a score and then they somehow tally that up and give the entire product a score. So anytime I've looked at it, you know, like the fragrance ingredient that's in there, that's a 10, 10 bad. 
some of the other stuff, you know, is like whatever. If it's got water in it, water's, you know, a one, it's safe, you know. But, you know, so they tally that up somehow and give the product a score. Uh-huh. So well, that's interesting. So so tens as high as the scale goes. Yes. I mean, because uh, yeah, that's that's interesting that they you know use the highest the scale goes. You know, because I mean, there's stuff that you could be putting on your skin that's like you know a known carcinogen. You know, yeah. I, the one I think of is hydraulic fluid. Mm. You know, like hydraulic fluid is supposed to be really bad to be getting on your skin. You know, like at least one that I know about, but you know, people put it on, get it on their skin all the time. Yeah. And, you know, don't get cancer. <clears throat> so I, I guess it's, it's interesting that they're using the top of their scale when on products that, you know, are seen as, re- you know, that there's an ingredient in there that they, that is seen as being, you know, that dangerous, I guess, when they're, there's got to be things that are more dangerous. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. You know, it gives you no room to go up. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. But, so, so five, fives are about what every normal product from Walmart is. Well, uh, fi- or yeah, at least fives five. are higher. So like, okay. here's a, I just pulled their CVS health clear sunscreen spray spf 50 they're ranking that an eight an eight so uh-huh yeah oh so okay. part part of that it seems like caution based on ewg's modeling the uv protection is significantly lower than the spf value would indicate sprays pose an inhalation risk and may not cover the skin completely um the freight you know the uh, again like i said the fragrance in there is that ingredient, they're considering that an eight uh, due to potential for allergies and immunotoxicity, endocrine disruption, non-reproductive organ system toxicity, ectotoxicology, irritation for skin, eyes, or lungs. So I, I guess I, I say this to sort of uh, right. preface Basically the information. It's not really bad unless it's, you know. Uh, an eight or a you know or higher if it's below that eh, probably right. not too too terrible right well and i say that to like these people are are pretty stringent on like uh-huh. their recommendations on you know what they consider safe and and not uh-huh. <clears throat> and so they actually recommend deet as a as a safe option for both adults and children. Now they do recommend DEET in different concentrations for adults versus children. But, you know, I guess I'll go into some of the information I pulled from their site. So yeah, DEET, cause I'm really interested to hear this cause yeah. I, I definitely abuse DEET. So I'm interested to see how safe it is. Yeah. So they say DEET, uh, registered for public use in 1957 is the most common mosquito and tick repellent. It's rated as very effective in repelling a wide range of mosquitoes, ticks, and other bugs. DEET has been used billions of times and is a reasonable, if imperfect, choice. When used as directed, DEET is considered safe by many public health organizations, including the EPA, the CDC, 
the American Academy of Pediatrics and the WHO. Um, so then we, we get into some of the research that they cited. In 1998, the EPA reviewed the first 40 years of public usage of DEET, along with its known toxicity information, and concluded that, quote, the normal use of DEET does not present a health concern to the general U.S. population, end quote. And the agency found, quote, no toxicologically significant effects in animal studies, end quote. So then they go on to say, um, when EWG, which again is Environmental Working Group, started our research, we were particularly concerned about the potential downsides of DEET. We urged customers to handle DEET with caution. It is known to irritate the eyes and in intense doses may induce neurological damage. In very rare cases, DEET has been reported to impair the nervous system with symptoms including seizures, tremors, and slurred speech. This most often occurs after exposure to high concentrations of the chemical. In addition, DEET gives off a distinct odor and can damage plastic, rubber, and vinyl on clothing, back, backpacks, glasses, watches, and cameras. Then they go on to talk about you know, what, what they're sort of I guess considering safe, um, you know, because you can buy all different varying concentrations of DEET. Whereas, like I said, permethrin, I, I think the only thing you can really right. buy for that is pre-mixed for people use is that half a percent concentration. Now, you can go right. to the, the feed supplies, you know, Tractor Supply, Rural King, whatever, and buy permethrin that is intended for livestock in higher concentrations, like 10% DEET or permethrin. And, you know, there are people that buy that stuff and then just dilute it themselves down to that 0.5% concentration. You know, do that at your own risk, I guess, is what I'll say. But DEET, you know, you can buy DEET 10%, you can buy DEET 100%. So lots of different ranges of products. So they say the EPA allows sales of repellents with up to 100% DEET, but increasing concentration does not increase efficacy. Longer protection times can be achieved by time-released products. And the EWG is saying it, it, they think it makes sense to follow the Canadian government recommendations limiting DEET to 30% in any product and using either, even weaker concentrations for young children. The Canadian government's advice is more conservative than the CDC's 2016 recommendation to use a product containing 20 to 50% DEET for adult protection against Lyme disease and a product containing 20 to 30% DEET for children's protection. They, they go on to say consumers must make their own decisions about which advice to follow mm -hmm. when it comes to using DEET on children in areas with high risk of Lyme disease. Right. So... so did they just did, did they say that increasing the percentage of DEET doesn't increase its effectiveness? Correct. Really? So they say con another statement I pulled out contrary to popular belief, uh, bug repellents with higher concentrations such as old school 100% DEET are not necessarily more effective and may even be harmful. To avoid that risk, the EWG recommends steering clear of DEET products with concentrations over 30%. So at, in the reading I was doing, the constant once you get up past the like the thirty percent range, 
the only thing you're really increasing is the time that it is it remains effective. Interesting. So a, let's say a 50% DEET remains effective longer than a 30% DEET. Mm-hmm. So basically to sum that up, as, as far as EWG yeah. stance is adults, they say you should be using a DEET product with 20 to 30% concentration, children 10% concentration, with one exception. If you're using DEET to protect kids in an area known for ticks carrying Lyme disease or Zika outbreaks, a concentration of 20% to 30% may be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, I mean, I've, I've had to work in the woods, you know, in the summer before. And uh, I, with the more percentage not equaling more effectiveness, mm-hmm. I mean, I I can't necessarily say this, but, uh, you know, I, we ended up using, like, your, your DEET for, not intended for use on skin, you know, it was designed for tents. You know, you spray it on your tent. Uh-huh. So it was it was well above 30. Um, and it still didn't work. So, I mean, you don't know how many mosquitoes didn't bite you, but I can tell right. you a lot of mosquitoes did bite us. Yeah. But that's interesting that, you know, I'm, I'm glad to know that I'm not going to die of cancer because I did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because... Uh, I mean, it was just it was what you had to do. It was either get eaten alive or uh, soak yourself in deep. Yeah. And chose to soak myself in deep. So. Yeah. So glad, I guess along those lines, relatively safe. Yeah. I mean, they because they I'm looking at the, the page where I pulled this that information from. And uh, here's another thing that they cite. In 1998, after reviewing case reports of seizures, the EPA concluded that the rate of adverse reactions appeared to be very low, on the order of one per 100 million persons. The agency instructed manufacturers to provide additional instructions for minimizing overexposure to DEET. It authorized DEET for use by children, but banned marketing claims that DEET products are, quote, safe for children. The EPA said it had, quote, no evidence that would lead it to believe that DEET is uniquely toxic to infants and or children, end quote. But it added that its personal its personnel still had, quote, concerns regarding these seizures, especially for children who are more susceptible to seizures in general and who receive a higher dose of DEET due to a greater surface area to body weight ratio, end quote. So. While there is some concerns, it's not nearly as scary, I guess, as, you know, maybe it's made out to be is sort of my takeaway. I mean, like I said at the beginning, you know, it's like, oh, DEET, yeah, don't be spraying that on your kids, uh, you know. Yeah, it definitely gets a bad rap. I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of, uh, I don't know what you want to call them. 
products on the market that are basically specifically targeted to, you know, because DEET's bad. Yes, that's you yes, know, that's specifically a good... targeted, especially to mothers. Yes, you know, for their children because DEET's DEET's a big villain. Yes, yes, you, that's right. There's a lot of marketing dollars on stuff that uh, oh contains no DEET, DEET free, you know. I want to pause here briefly and talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So if you're looking for deer feed or deer mineral, things to attract deer to your camera location, your stand location, your property in general, check out Monster Whitetail Grub. They have their signature Monster Whitetail Grub feed. It's a high protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in, so they keep coming back even after the physical feed is gone. They've got uh, flavored corn, which turns regular corn into more of a long range attractant. And they've also got just your straight uh, powdered mineral. So lots of options there, and it's all really high quality stuff. So check them out. Monster Whitetail Grub. Go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors, and you'll find a link there on how to get in touch with them and how to get their product. It may be in a retail location near you. They're, they're getting in more and more retail locations. So check them out. Monster Whitetail Grub. I guess another data point here, we mentioned the the Canadian government's uh, recommendations. They include a table here. So Health Canada recommendations for DEET usage, uh, zero to six months, They Health Canada says no DEET. Six to 24 months, use only when bug risks are high and use a five to 10% DEET product and limit to one application per day. Two to 12 years, they say five to 10% DEET, limit to three applications per day and avoid prolonged use. And then general population, no more than 30% DEET allowed in products, which we, we said that the Canadian government, they don't sell anything in Canada over 30% DEET. So that's DEET. Any other questions, anecdotal info, anything we didn't cover on DEET? Other than uh, my my anal anecdotal info is that, uh, deep, you know, I mean, when you get in the thick, I can't I can't speak to how it affects ticks, um, but when you get into deep mosquito areas, it doesn't seem to to be enough. No matter how you know, well, and you just said that the increasing the concentration doesn't really increase how effective it is but i've i've definitely basically had my skin still be wet from spraying it with deep bug spray and had mosquitoes land on me and bite me (laughs) yeah yeah i mean so even aside from the like the potential albeit small health implications deet does have other you know n- negative i don't know negative side effects probably isn't uh, they have other it has other cons in that you know kind of stinks and the fact that it can damage plastics and and vinyls and and things like that so <clears throat> which you know a lot of your your outdoors you know tent materials you know, sunglasses, uh, you know, all of that stuff they list on here is it has a potential to damage that type of uh, product. So mm-hmm. then I guess we'll go to 
Picaridin. And I'm not sure if it's Picaridin or Picaridin. Don't know. But this one was a a relatively new one to me. I hadn't really heard much about this until I started looking into this. So basically uh, from the National Pesticide Information Center, Picaridin repels insects, ticks, and chiggers. It is a synthetic compound first made in the 1980s. Uh, it was made to resemble the natural compound pepperine, pepperin, which is found in the group of plants that are used to produce black pepper. Picaridin has been widely used as an insect repellent in Europe and Australia, but has only been available in the United States since 2005. So typically, I don't know about Australia, but I, I know Europe tends to be more strict on like public health safety kind of stuff. You know, they're, they're, mm -hmm. they want more warnings on things. They, <clears throat> you know, so take that for what it's worth, I guess. Um, now this information comes from EWG. They say Picaridin developed by Bayer AG in the 1980s and sold in the U S since 2005 has very low inhalation toxicity. Uh, is not known to irritate skin and does not have a pungent odor like DEET. It evaporates from the skin more slowly than DEET or IR3535 and may repel bugs for longer periods. So we haven't got to IR3535, but that's the, the next one in the list. So with regards to efficacy, they say in efficacy testing, Picaridin performs like DEET, appearing to repel a wide range of pests a 2018 science review comparing the mosquito repellency of DEET with picaridin considered more than 140 field and laboratory studies and found no significant difference in performance. EPA registration data indicates that picaridin at a concentration of 20% is effective against mosquitoes and ticks for 8 to 14 hours and at a concentration of 10% is effective for 5 to 12 hours. Uh, picaridin does not carry the same neurotoxicity concerns as DEET, but has not been used as extensively by people. Overall, EWG's assessment is that picaridin is a good alternative to DEET with many of the same advantages and without the same disadvantages. So the, the strong odor, the, you know, damage, potential damage to plastics. Mm -hmm. So they summarize for both adults and children EWG recommends picaridin products as a as a safe and effective uh, tick prevention at 20% concentration, products that are at 20% concentration. And is so, that is their products readily available on the market with this chemical? Yes. Not okay. as it's not as common as DEET. DEET is still like right. the when you go in the bug spray aisle, you're mostly gonna see DEET. But I just right. went to Walmart and bought a can of, um, I think it's off brand, uh, but it, you know, it says on the front of it, instead of, you know, with DEET, it says Picaridin. Okay. That's interesting. Cause yeah, I was about to say like, you know, yeah, basically when I go to buy bug spray, it's, I buy off brand bug spray, you know, yeah. DEET, you know, so it's interesting that off, you know, as an option. Yeah, I mean, when you go to the like any of the 
uh, bug spray, you know, manufacturer websites, you know, off. I, I just bought a can of off. I think it was off. I think Cutter has a Picaridin Sawyer, which we talked about before. They they do the permethrin, you know, clothing and equipment tick spray. They also have a, a you know a line of like bug repellents, and they so they say they sell Picaridin uh, repellents. Uh, so yeah, the 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 brands that you're you know familiar with do offer a picaridin based repellent. Like I said, they you know you may only have one or two options in the bug spray aisle with picaridin at least at this point. Whereas you're you know you're gonna have fifty options for for DEET, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. they are out there. So we're actually planning another family trip to the cabin this weekend when we were there last time we didn't spray we we were down there for a family slash turkey trip right and we didn't spray anything on ella and she ended up with you know a handful of ticks on her we're gonna try you know because according to this there seems to be fewer uh, concerns you know, neurological things or whatnot with picaridin-based bug repellents. So we're going to try that this time and see see how she does, see how we do, I guess, with the getting ticks, uh, getting ticks on us. So we'll have our own little anecdotal test, I guess. Uh, but then last but not least, that takes us to IR3535 which uh i don't know they need a better i don't know <laughs> with a name like IR3535 it seems like you know i don't you know i don't know sounds like put... agent orange yeah yeah you know like it, it's it's a very chemical like yeah they need a brand name for it for sure yeah. because yeah it sounds sounds bad yeah so <clears throat> Again, EWG, they uh, give a little background on this stuff. So if we, I can try to pronounce the full chemical name, which they say is 3-N-butyl-N-acetyl-aminopropionic acid ethyl ester. That's a mouthful. Uh, that is structurally similar to the naturally occurring amino acid B-alanine Merkin code developed IR3535 in the mid-1970s and has been used in Europe for more than 20 years, but was not registered for use in the U.S. until 1999. So they say IR3535 can be very irritating to the eyes, but poses few other safety risks. European authorities have received no reports of health problems caused by this chemical. Like DEET, IR3535 may dissolve or damage plastics. The manufacturer recommends avoiding contact with plastics other than polyethylene and polypropylene. So you got that same, one of those same cons as DEET where, you know, it can be damaging to plastics. Uh, So they talk about, now this is interesting, uh, talking about efficacy. A comprehensive review of public efficacy studies completed between 2000 and 2013 found the performance of IR3535 to be similar or slightly less effective than DEET and Picaridin against mosquitoes. However, against deer ticks, 
IR-3535 provided over twice the mean protection time of DEET, picaridin, or oil of lemon eucalyptus. So there again, right? You got to make, you got to choose what's right for you, right? So uh, what is slightly less effective than DEET or picaridin against mosquitoes, but it sounds like possibly more effective. And and I don't know, maybe because the way they word that is probably important. Twice the mean protection time of DEET, picaridin, or oil of lemon eucalyptus. So I don't know that saying it's more effective than the other products, but but it, it certainly does seem that it lasts longer, gives you longer protection. So I guess maybe in a way is is more effective. <clears throat> right. It, in the beginning, I mentioned there's some other products. Oil of lemon eucalyptus is another one. Uh, I I couldn't find as much information on that. I will note that oil of lemon eucalyptus is different. It, it's not lemon eucalyptus essential oil. It is a different thing altogether. So don't don't you know think you're going to get lemon eucalyptus oil, essential oils and use it as a tick repellent. It I mean, the, the stuff I did find on it, they were very clear to point out that oil of lemon eucalyptus is a different thing than lemon eucalyptus essential oil. It's different. So whatever that means. Mm-hmm. The, the other interesting thing about this stuff is for whatever reason, they say that the chemical is most often found in products sold as sunscreens and repellents. So it's like a combo product, a sunscreen with a bug repellent mixed in. Okay. And EWG recommends avoiding these products because sunscreen should be reapplied every two hours, but following those instructions would overexpose the user to the, to the bug repellent. So now this stuff, I don't know, you're not going to walk into your, you're not necessarily going to walk into your Walmart and find this stuff. Now, I did find, I think some of the, there's some, like the Avon Expedition line of, of bug repellents. They do, uh, they do have some with this IR3535 as the active ingredient. So it, you know, it can be found, it can be ordered, uh, but I would say probably far less common than DEET or certainly DEET, uh, but even probably picaridin. And I guess permethrin. I mean, you can walk into Walmart and buy Sawyer brand permethrin or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Now, is that in like the hunt or like the camping section or where do you even find that? The permethrin? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's in the, it's not, it's not with the, um, like your other seasonal bug spray aisle. Mm -hmm. I I think it's in like the camping in that section there. Yeah, because I was looking here, you know, because the only product I've ever used to keep ticks off of me is just regular bug spray off. And then, uh, my wife purchased the product called bug off i just had to go grab it and uh i think it's kind of one of those more i don't know i don't want to say hippie products but it's 
a natural product. It literally has no no ingredients on it. I went to their website. Doesn't tell you what's in it. It <laughs> says, says chemical-free, family-safe, bug-repellent. Yeah, see, so. and I, a lot of that stuff, if they're not telling you what's in it, you know, how are you, how are you to know... If you just, I guess you just have to trust the marketing. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I just have to assume that there's nothing dangerous in here, I guess. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, trust that it's effective, right? Like right. If, you're, if you're spraying this stuff on, because <clears throat> that was some of the other stuff that, that I had read is, uh, you know, you got to be a little bit, leery of some of these all natural products in that they may be giving you a false sense of security right? right like oh i got this stuff on i'm safe you know and so maybe you're not as diligent about checking for ticks at the end of the night because well i had my my you know my all natural bug repellent on and yeah. you know then you end up getting lyme disease because you didn't check or you know so yeah, one thing I can say about this product is I've never gotten a tick on me when I've used it. And when I was at the cabin, I had, you know, I was pulling ticks off of me left and right. You know, I was obviously walking around somewhere where I was getting ticks. And my wife got fed up with it, went in, grabbed this product, put it on me, and I didn't get another tick. So it, it might work. Yeah. Might not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, so far, so good, I guess. Right. <clears throat> and that brings up another, you know, with uh, permethrin, right? Like you treat your clothes. Well, you know, we're coming into summer here. You know, you go fishing, you're standing on a, a whatever, lake bank, creek bank, whatever, in shorts, right? A lot of times. Or, you know, you're just out with your family, you go on a hike or something, you know, you're in shorts, you can't, you, you, so your legs are exposed, you can't put, right. you know. The other thing I, I guess to circle back, I just thought about for permethrin is uh, right on the bottle, they say, basically, they only want you treating your outer layers, like they don't, they said, don't treat your, like your underwear or your, your under garments if you will they don't they don't want it up against your skin i guess mm-hmm. which you would you know you would think those would maybe be the if it were safe and, and it's probably just out of an abundance of caution but <clears throat> if it were safe to be on your skin no you know no potential health risks there that you know because a, a tick on my pants uh, you know i'm not so much concerned about that it's when it gets under my pants or under my shirt, you know, that, that last layer, that would be the, the layer you would think you would want to have treated with a product like that. Right. But, you know, they, they say specifically on the bottle to not treat, you know, although they do say to, that it's okay to treat your socks. They like, they recommend treating your socks, Interesting. but not like underwear or undergarments. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the only place I've ever had a tick attach, you know, good, was uh, in between my toes. 
So mm, yeah, got to treat those socks. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a good place. Also, when you're checking yourself for ticks, make sure you check in between your toes. Well, so funny story, right? You, you, because you told us about that. Like, oh man, I had this tick. It was between my toes, you know. Uh huh. So now, I don't know how many times I've looked down and saw something black, you know, and I'm like, oh crap, I got a tick, you know. And you get down there, and it's just black sock lint, you know. So I've I've yet right. to have a tick between my toes, but after you told us that, I've had a. a, a uh, more than a couple, you know, little panic attacks like, oh, crap, there's a tick. Or like you're in the shower yeah. or something, you know, and you look down and there's something black on the, the floor of the shower. And, the, you know, you're like, oh, is that a tick? Oh, no, it's just a right. sock lint that washed out from between my toes, you know. <laughs> right. Especially in the shower when you're, you know, a glass is where you can't, you yeah. know what's going on on yeah. the shower floor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a tick. It could be sockland. Could be a spider. For all I know, I <laughs> just looks yeah, like a black it, blob down there. Yeah, and I mean, I let that tick get big because it's not that I didn't notice that there was something there. I just thought I had sockland in between my toes. You know, I remember being at work that day and like, oh, you know, something. You know, I got like sockland in between my toes. Oh, you and, can feel it. Yeah, 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 you know, and thinking like, oh, you know, I need to, you know, take off my, my shoe and fix that. But it's not appropriate to take off my shoe at my desk. <laughs> right, you know? Right. And then, you know, I kind of forgot about it. And then, you know, hours later, I'm at home and take off, you know, my shoes, take off my sock and, you know, go to, you know, like, oh, you know, I still have that lint there and go to, you know swipe in between my toe and realize oh wow there's a tick there and it's pretty engorged <laughs> oh yeah yeah you know so that, that that was all bad you know that was a a new hiding spot yeah because there's i mean most of the time there's not many places on your body where a tick can attach and really let itself grow without you noticing it yeah you know i did have a tick it didn't attach well but i had a tick attach right in the middle of my back where i couldn't reach oh this year and i mean i i had an itch and like i kind of you know i could barely reach there and i felt like you know a little like i could kind of move it a little bit, but there was no way I could get it off myself. Right. I had to have my wife take it off, and she said basically as soon as she grabbed it with the tweezers, it was, you know, it just came off. Yeah. Like, she didn't have to actually pull or anything. It just kind of came right off. Hmm. Yeah, so that's, uh, basically a long summary of uh, the research I did on tick prevention, you know, biting bug prevention for, you know, the, the family, I guess this year and figured it would be worth the sharing with everybody. So I guess I don't know where to go with that. I guess, I guess, I guess I'll say 
if you've had, a, I mean, I think we've all probably used DEET at this point. Um, but if you've used any of these other products or if you have something that we didn't talk about that you swear by works for, for ticks, I, I would certainly be interested to, to hear that as well, you know, and, uh, always looking for stuff that, that works well in that regard. And like I said, um, you know, there's also this element of, should I be spraying this on my kids sort of thing? <laughs> so, all right, that's it for this week. Hopefully you found some helpful information in there. Like I said in the beginning, you know, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer to this this problem. It's very situational. And so you've got to gather the information and make the best decision for you and your family for that situation. So hopefully that this helped you gather some of that information and helps you make an informed decision. If you have any questions on on where I found any of this information or you know any any information on your tick prevention regiment or or protocol whatever you use, I'd love to hear that. Hit us up on on Facebook or Instagram. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. And uh, yeah, let us know. And with that, I'll let you all go and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.